Why Watch That is a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. Oh my goodness, we have a giveaway, Breath. What? Oh, I love giveaways. And we are giving away three, one, two, three. Uno, dos, tres. One, two, third. Un, dos, trois. 4K Ultra HD and Blu-ray combo packs of Overlord. Oh, isn't that J.J. Abrams? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. And you know you're going to get almost an hour bonus material here. Oh, my gosh. Now, along with J.J. Abrams producing this... Starring in it? Who are these people? We have Giovanna Depo, Wyatt Russell, Bo yeah. King Woodbine, others, right? But what's going on in this movie? Do you Have you seen this? You know what? I haven't seen it. I am going to watch it. But what I do know, it is like a mesh between uh, a war movie, an action movie, a thriller, uh, definitely horror, because I've seen the trailer. It scares the wits out of you. But basically, these American paratroopers drop into what seems like some hostile Nazi (laughs) kind of world and they have to come face to face with these super soldiers. I mean, I don't know what I'm watching or think I'm watching, but it's from J.J. Abrams, so I'm sure it's going to be quite interesting. Yeah, and you know, many of the critics really liked it, so your chance to enter our Overlord giveaway ends on Wednesday, March 6th. Oh, y'all better get on it. And that's at midnight Eastern time. So again, Wednesday, March 6th. Get on it, as the ref says. And the three winners will be announced on Friday, March 8th. <laughs> so you can check it out on whywatchthat.com. You can go to our Instagram page at whywatchthat. And guess what? If you want it, well, why don't you come and get it? The Why Watch That TV Talk. Listeners, it's a new month. That's right. It is March Madness. And what do we mean by that? No, not the basketball. We're talking about TV. It is, we're in full throttle of pilot season, wrapping up season, starting seasons. TV is just maddening. Maddening, I tell you. Yes. (laughs) I've lost my mind multiple times. Multiple times. Well, March is going to be no different. Listen, we've got some series premieres. We've got a season premiere. And we've got season finales. Let's get started with the season premieres. First up is The Enemy Within. Mm, I've seen the advertisements for this on NBC. That's right. Now... I am not sure what to make of it, mm-hmm. but critic, you do have a sense after the first episode. Um, please explain, tell us why we're getting all this stuff on our phones and advertisements for the enemy within. Yeah, and, and like you're saying, there's only been one episode so far. Same thing for the next show we're going to talk about. And you know, first episodes aren't necessarily indicative of everything that's going to happen. Even like Doom Patrol I talked about, Ref, 
I've seen more episodes. That's all I'll say about that. Now, okay. the enemy within, at the beginning, we're told that the number of foreign spies in the U.S. has never been higher. Oh. Mm. And then we're introduced to high-level CIA agent Erica Shepard, played by Dexter's Jennifer Carpenter. We know her. Can you guess what she is, supposedly? Uh, we know. Well, we shuttle forward three years, and Erica's now incarcerated in a supermax prison until the Russian bad guy who coerced her into his service by terrible means strikes again. Yeah. And this leads us to FBI agent Will Keaton, who's played by Morris Chestnut. Mm-hmm. Will knows all about Erica. They have an unfortunate personal connection, and he's not pleased when he's told that he needs to use her knowledge of the Russian baddie to hunt him down. So Will's not pleased, and his team's on the edge. Even still, what they come to discover is that Erica has a particular skill set that not only helps her anticipate Mr. Baddie's actions, but also gives her insight into who people are at their core. Mm. She can do other CIA spy sorts of things as well. And so can Will and Erica work together to help thwart our country's enemies that are lurking within? Does Erica really have remorse for what she did? Mm. Just what caused her to do what she did anyway? And overall, just who can be trusted? Now, (laughs) look, the enemy within, it must have been inspired by the blacklist. Ah. We're dealing with a criminal who agrees to help the FBI find other criminals. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Now, are there differences? Of course, but so what? In regard to the writing and acting, they leave a lot to be desired much of the time. Everybody seems to be posturing here, and I don't buy it. Uh oh. However, however, these kinds of shows appeal to people. So here's what I'll say as a recommendation: If you like the parts of the blacklist without James Spader, oh come on, then the enemy within should be just fine. Ah, now that's just we. That's just that's madness. Madness, <laughs> I tell you. Whiskey Cavalier. That's also one of those shows that's absolutely everywhere. Um, didn't they show? An episode of this after um, the Oscars? Yeah, they did that on, little sneak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on ABC. Now, we've got some familiar folks we're looking at. Uh, Jake <laughs> from Scandal. <laughs> but uh, he's he's turned over a new leaf. Or has he? Ooh. He just can't stop being a spy or FBI or something. I don't know. <laughs> do tell us about Whiskey Cavalier. I do like the name, by the way. Yeah, so, you know, this FBI agent, Will Chase, codename... Whiskey Cavalier. Oh, boy. And he's played by, yes, Scandals Scott Foley, as the ref was talking about. Now, he's down and out in Paris. He's listening to power ballads and watching rom-coms. But why? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, he recently broke up with his fiancée, Gigi. Yeah. Now, this doesn't stop him from getting in on the FBI action, though. Oh, no. He still likes to take it to the bad guys. So there's running and shooting and action sequences like they think they're making the next Mission Impossible, Mm. which they're definitely not. Mm. 
Also, Will shifts between reminiscing about being with his girlfriend and moving forward in the present time. But those shifts are confusing. It's not always clear when this show wants to have fun and when it wants to be taken seriously. It actually would be better if they just went all the way in the direction of comedy by making fun of their own story and the standard police spy procedural. But anyway, back to the plot. Now, one important thing to keep in mind about Will is that he marches to the beat of his own drummer, which of course means that he's not afraid to take matters into his own hands, regardless of what his superiors have to say. Shocker! Oh, can't believe it. However. Oh my gosh. When he's sent to Moscow to retrieve NSA analyst and potential traitor Edgar Standish, played by Everybody Hates Chris's and The Walking Dead's Tyler James Williams, for comedic purposes, of course. Of course. He's intercepted by someone unexpected. CIA agent Frankie Trowbridge, codenamed Fiery Tribune, played by The Walking Dead's Lauren Cohan. Now, as we all know, the FBI and the CIA do not get along. So, once these two realize exactly who they're dealing with, it's on. But their back and forth struggle to get the upper hand in regard to Edgar culminates in some surprising revelations and the eventual formation of a secret group of spies who save the world one mission at a time. Oh, exactly who's going to be in charge? <laughs> now look. Whiskey Cavalier is nice to look at for the most part. Sure. As long as you ignore an explosion in the first episode that was a little sketchy. Despite that, though, you get the now familiar ABC glossy look and it works. Also, the cast makes sense. But the question is, can the writing give them enough to do? Well, here's what I think this show needs. It needs to ratchet up the fun, which doesn't quite click into place in the pilot, and ratchet down any hint of seriousness. They should go in the direction of full-on pretend seriousness instead. And if they do, then Whiskey Cavalier might work as a show that revels in the ridiculous. Now, what it already has going for it is that it doesn't take much effort to watch, which means that if they figure out that this is really a summer show that's airing a little early in the year, they might be able to turn Whiskey Cavalier into something that's somewhat diverting. I think that's the best they can hope for, but of course, we'll have to wait and see. Oh, gosh. It reminds me of The Chase for some reason, that show, that Shonda Rhimes show um, that was on it. Oh, The Catch. Yeah, yes. The Chase. Yes, The Catch. The catch. Mm-hmm. Very much like that. And so if that's your thing, listeners, you probably should check it out. The Widow. Oh, Kate Beckinshaw. Well, you know what? She's actually in the news, isn't she? For other things. <laughs> what well, we'll stick with what she's in the new in the news for in regards to Amazon's new show called The Widow. Now, this woman, she looking for her husband and she will do whatever she needs to do to get him back. Or will she? Oh. <laughs> well. Or does she rather? I don't know. Because you can binge <laughs> it, right? You can binge it, that's right. Mm-hmm. All eight episodes are available. Um in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, two kids are playing in the forest. The girl fearlessly climbs a tree to see what the world looks like, while the boy looks up at her in astonishment. However, this moment doesn't last long because the kids have to get back to their group. They have to get back to being child soldiers. Yeah. 
Oh, boy. And as time progresses, we find the girl is training the boy on how to handle the terrible things that they have to do and see. So that's one part of this story. But the main part is centered around Georgia Wells, who's played by, yes, Kate Beckinsale. Three years ago, Georgia's husband, Will, who's some sort of aid worker, was in a plane crash in the Congo. And he and everyone else on the plane were pronounced dead, even though not all of their bodies were found. Mm. Now, of course, this has taken an enormous toll on Georgia, who lives in Wales. However, by chance, she spots a news report about some unrest in the Congo and believes that she sees her husband in the footage. And of course, she's astonished, so much so, that she decides to go back to that country to investigate. Now, not everyone thinks that the man in the footage is actually her husband. There's family friend Martin Benson, played by Charles Dance, who thinks that she's wasting her time. And there's Judith Gray, played by Alex Kingston, who's Will's former colleague and Georgia's friend. Judith lives in the Congo in Kinshasa, and gives Georgia shelter while she's there, but Judith's not sure that Georgia's on the right path. However, Judith knows things about what's going on that Georgia does not. (laughs) Despite those two naysayers though, there is one man who's more than willing to help Georgia on her quest. His name is Emmanuel Kazadi, played by Jackie Ito, and he's a Congolese reporter who lost his wife in the same plane crash. You said Congolese, that's great. <laughs> but now he's re- remarried, okay? Oh. And so what's the connection between the child soldiers and the either deceased or missing husband? And what kind of secrets will be unearthed as a result? In addition, how does another part of this story, which involves a blind man and woman meet in the Netherlands during some sort of clinical trial to cure blindness, how does that fit into this mystery? And of course, how do all of these people intersect? Well, you know what I'm going to say. You have to watch this show to find out. Mm -hmm. Now, let me start my review by saying this. For some viewers... The whole Congolese child soldiers thing in the context of this story might be off-putting. And ditto for some of the other tensions that arise from using the Congo as a setting in which a Welsh woman searches for a supposedly missing husband and, of course, ends up being heroic. Despite, of course, the protestations from people who know better, okay? So if you're sensitive to any of that, you've been warned. However, I will say that creators Harry and Jack Williams, who also created the excellent series, The Missing, which aired on Stars in the States, they aren't careless with the setting and its people, despite the obvious challenges with their narrative. And with that said, let's dive into the quality of the show itself. First of all, look, it's not boring. Certainly not. Well, not for the most part, at least. (laughs) However... I found the music ref, look, it was a little too much at times. I mean, we know that this is a life and death situation quite (laughs) So we don't need the music to put exclamation points all over that. Instead of drawing me in, I mean, it just kept reminding me, hey, you're watching a TV show. Case in point, during one of the episodes, I won't tell you which one, an explosion happens, okay? And there's no music while it happens, which is effective. 
Then the music starts up in the aftermath and gets in the way of the moment it was totally unnecessary. And there are other examples of the same. Hmm. Second of all, this story's panoply of supposedly interlocking tendrils was a little much. Linking Congolese child soldiers to an Icelandic blind man is quite the stretch, don't you think? (laughs) Okay, that's just one big old stretch. Now, third of all, however, the cast is a good one from top to bottom. Kate Beckinsale fully commits and her supporting actors follow suit. And so I'll end by saying this. If you don't mind some of the flaws that I pointed out, and if you're in the mood for a mystery thriller that comes to us from two brothers who've proven themselves in the genre, Mm -hmm. I think that The Widow should fit the bill. And while it's not the best from the Williams brothers, and while I'm sure that you will have rolled your eyes more than once before it's over, Mm -hmm. it still does a pretty good job of holding your attention right up to its utterly ridiculous ending. Oh, boy. That sounds like a... Uh, dive into uh, being brave to watch that. Um, Listen, we've got season premiere. Yes, she's back with her children. (laughs) Teenage. Well, no, they should be growing up by now. Jeez, it's Better Things on FX. And, um, you know, the question is, since, you know, Louis C.K. is gone um, who was the co-creator of the show. Where are we at with this? I know that this, listeners, now if you've heard anything that the critic has said about the show, he is a clear fan of it and it has rarely disappointed him. But the question is, what is it like now? I mean, the children are growing up. I mean, how long can this mother <laughs> go in the ins and outs of this business? <laughs> I'm not sure. But where are we at with season three? Well, look, Baba would agree with you. <laughs> so after after a second season that presented actress and mother Sam, played by co-creator Pamela Adlin, yes. as a woman who had had enough. Yes, she did. The start of the third season of Better Things finds her saying goodbye to her oldest daughter, Max. Yes, it's time for Max to go to college. There you go. So Mm. Sam and Max go from L.A. to Chicago to get Max settled in. And while there, they shop for the kinds of things that all college kids need to survive. But for Sam, the most important thing that she can give her daughter is, wait for it, condoms. Yeah, condoms. Okay, this is where we are. It is better things. (laughs) And then after saying their goodbyes, Sam goes back to the airport, which presents its own challenges, and then heads back to L.A. But the plane ride there has a little hiccup, and an annoying visitor from Sam's past appears to her during the ride. Mm. And then once she returns home, she finds that her mother, Phil, is still in rare comedic form, yeah, but unfortunately, Phil's memory is still in decline. Mm. Plus, uh, Sam, much to her chagrin, also finds that her two younger daughters are still at home, bummer, (laughs) and that they still need to be dealt with, especially her middle child, Frankie. You see, while Sam was away and while Sam's friend Rich was supposed to be watching them, Frankie invited all kinds of people into their home, leaving her homework undone. (laughs) And youngest daughter, Duke, has had to face a challenge of her own, she was visited by the very same entity that Sam saw on the plane. Oh. And so, once again, folks, 
Better Things makes fun of motherhood, childhood, being young and being old, Hollywood, and the plight of being sort of famous. It has a specific sense of humor and a fittingly unique musical taste. And its writing, acting, and editing create a peculiar rhythm that's appropriately awkward yet naturalistic. And now that Pamela Adlin, as you hinted, Ref, is running the show all alone, and once again, directing each episode. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, this is the second season here. We couldn't be in better hands because Better Things is still an odd kind of gem that only FX would have the chutzpah to put on the air. (laughs) Well, it looks like you are not disappointed. I can't wait to hear how this all concludes. Now, speaking of conclusions. Oh. uh Uh-oh. Here's another show that you have labored with for, what, eight years, it appears? Yeah. Eight seasons of suits, as you say, of USA. Oh, my gosh. Now, hold on. Let's just relax. It's not ending right now, even though it does say season finale. There is another season coming up quite quickly. Yeah. And you know what? The question is, will you be ready for it? Let's just deal with one season ending at a time. <laughs> yeah, so uh, here's where we are at the end of the penultimate season of Suits. Mm. A big stink has happened at the law firm of Zane, Spectre, Lit, Wheeler, and Williams. And this big stink involves two of the firm's clients who are represented by two of the firm's named partners. And here's the breakdown. Named partner, Harvey Specter, who's played by Gabriel Macht, unknowingly helped one of his top clients leverage a not-so-big client of named partner, Alex Williams, who's played by Dulé Hill. Now, this client of Alex's is also dating COO Donna Paulson, who's played by Sarah Rafferty. So... When Harvey tells Donna about the scheming of his client against her boyfriend, Donna decides to take matters into her own hands instead of waiting for Harvey to work things out, which is a first for her. And the unwelcome result is the return of this firm's nemesis, who ends up replacing Harvey as his former big-time client's lawyer. Now, this nemesis, of course, is out to finally destroy Harvey once and for all. However... This avenging lawyer just happens to be longtime friends with name partner Robert Zane, who's played by Wendell Pierce. Of course. So Robert tries to use his friendship with the nemesis to bring this grudge match to a close without damaging Harvey. But Robert has more at stake in this than just losing a fellow named partner. He also finds that this has given him an opportunity to right a wrong he understandably committed on behalf of yet another named partner and his protege, Samantha Wheeler, who's played by Katherine Heigl. Mm-hmm. But... He's doing this against the wishes of Samantha, of course. And so, here are a couple of questions whose answers get to the heart of this predicament. One, can all of these named partners, along with managing partner Lewis Litt, who's played with ridiculous vim and vigor by Rick Hoffman, come up with a way to protect Harvey, Donna, and the entire firm? Two, or will their machinations end up compounding the problem? Mm. Well, by the end of this season, I'll just say that not everyone's left standing. 
But one positive outcome is that a romance, which has been teased from the very beginning of the show, finally bubbles up to the surface. Also, all of this sets the stage for a final season that hopefully will be full of twists and turns because while season eight was fine overall, it wasn't one of this show's best. They weren't able to replace the constant tension that the circumstances surrounding former lead character Mike delivered. Despite that, though, if you stuck with Suits this long, why not continue through the final 10 episodes, which start this summer? I'll definitely be watching, but I'll be watching in the hope that they leave no ridiculous stone unturned and concoct plenty of entertainingly outlandish moments before they say goodbye. Oh, you don't want to say it's too hard to say goodbye to Suits, but we have to say goodbye to another. We both just, you know, this show has, this has been quite a journey with this show. And we're talking about none other than Victoria Gloriana. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, Victoria, I was going to say Gloriana. Victoria (laughs) has concluded its third season and um, it's on PBS. And right now, you may not get, if you haven't started it, you're going to have to have the passport to start it or wait until it comes on um, Amazon Prime. Or you can, if you're kind of caught up, I I believe when I looked, the last three episodes are available, but you're gonna have to hurry for that because they do start, you know, becoming what we call, what I call locked. Yeah. Unless you have some sort of passport. Um, uh, it's called, what is it called? PBS Passport? Passport, that's right. Mm-hmm. Listen, this has been quite the show. I'm gonna let you go. And then I'll just throw in a couple cents. Because oh. I tell you what, that sister, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about? I would have been like, a what? great queen. <laughs> yes, I was like, sit down. So, <laughs> uh, in season three of Victoria, we've once again gone through the ups and downs of royal and not so royal life. At the beginning of this season, one of the Queen's closest staff members met a tragic end. It was heartbreaking. Uh, you know what? I was like, they give her maybe some business. You know, they had to take that character. Move it along. You're cold. You're just cold. <laughs> <laughs> we were introduced to an illicit romance between the Queen's mistress of the robes, Sophie sure and Duchess. They all up in that palace. <laughs> and a new footman in the Queen's service. Uh-oh. No. Oh, oh. Now, unfortunately for them, the severe and lily-livered Duke of Monmouth did everything in his power to make them pay, including bribing head steward Mr. Pinge. Oh, Mr. Pinge. Look, he never liked that footman anyway. He sure didn't. Sure didn't. Saw him coming, smelled him coming, heard him coming, all of that. Sensed him coming. He had this witchery out new. This was no good. So he, you know, got bribed into catching him in the act. Mm. Severe consequences were on the horizon, but exactly how did things turn out? Hmm? Mm. Mm. While I'll let the show reveal the answer to that question, which of course is complicated. Of course. There was also the question of betrothals in regard to the Queens and Prince Albert's two oldest children. Now, the young princess and prince are just that, right? Young. 
However, one of them has ideas about whom to marry. <laughs> well, if you know history, you know he he gets a lot of ideas often. <laughs> mm. And all of this occurred after the struggles with the young prince's education, which reached an awful climax. Yeah, it did. We were also introduced to a new and quite entertaining character in the form of the Queen's Foreign Secretary. Oh, I love it. Played by Lawrence Fox. <laughs> love that name. Lord Palm. Woo. And boy, oh boy, the back and forth between Lord Palm and the Queen had numerous peaks and valleys. Plus, mm. Palmerston certainly rubbed the prince and the prime minister the wrong way. Oh, what were the, what happened with that? Mm. Oh, but he is comforted by his wife. Yes, <laughs> by Palm, you read my mind. By Palmerston's side is a wife who's not to be trifled with, and who is the epitome of a modern woman. Oh yes, she is. And by the end of this season, the two of them embark on a course that, while not apparent from the beginning, is certainly no surprise. Yes. And now for the heart of the show, ref. The relationship between Victoria and Albert. It was tough this season. At this point in the Queen's and Prince's marriage, the luster has worn off. Yeah. The love between them has diminished. Mm. And to make matters worse, Victoria's older half-sister, Princess Theodora, arrived to cause mischief, chiefly by driving a wedge in between our formerly happy couple. Add in the challenge of the prince wanting to prove himself via a fanciful exhibition of the world's treasures. And what you have is a recipe for utter disaster. But just how do you think all of this will turn out? Well, I'll tell you that not all of it is obvious. And of course, at the very end of this season, something not so good occurs in typical cliffhanger fashion. So overall, I'll just say, I'm still a fan of this show. I really like the actors and characters, and I'm invested in pretty much every storyline. However, the engine of Victoria is Victoria and Albert, and I've got to say that the tension between those two carried on for a bit too long. Way too long. Like, come on. Now, despite that though, ref, and you can take over, they righted things in the end and laid the groundwork for an ever so intriguing season four. I will have to echo you. I don't have much to say. Although, I do think that some of the new characters, the ad, as we talked about, Lord Palm, yeah, was wonderful. And then some did detract. And I will say this for the record, as I said multiple times, the difference with season two is not only did we see the further blossoming of the romance between the romance, not just yeah. the marriage, but the romance, romance between Prince Albert and the, and Queen Victoria is that we also got to see her dig her heels in and become queen yeah. because season one, she was, there was always someone in her ear. Lord Melbourne finally had passed and we got to see her as well as Albert's extended family, which <laughs> we always love when they're around. The challenge with Victoria is when it begins to be catty, which I found it to be this season with the sister, a lot of cattiness, as well as some of the uh, other sideline stories that got way too much attention. We love the Duchess, but we kind of don't care. But anyway, overall, I'm a fan. I'm still going to be watching. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm done. That's it for me. Yeah, we're finished. 
Oh, well, I didn't know if you wanted to say more. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. No, you. we took care that. You look, that nailed it down, everybody, for Victoria. Very good. We're wrapping this up because that's it. <laughs> okay, that's it. I got nothing to say about no more of these TV shows until next week. <laughs>